Sean Seipler, today's guest, is the founder of Clean the World, a social enterprise that gathers unused soap from hotel chains to make new soaps for distribution for free in the developing world and in hygiene kits for those who need them. He'll also share insights about his superpower, purpose orientation. I'm your host, Devin Thorpe. Welcome to the Superpowers for Good show. Sean, thank you so much for joining me for this conversation. It's just really a thrill to meet you and connect and to learn more about Clean the World. It's my pleasure to be here, Devin. Thanks so much for having us on and giving us an opportunity to talk about our, our mission and our global impact. Yeah. Well, you know, you're doing something that I've seen one or two other people do over the years. And it. so in some ways, it's I don't want to say it's obvious, but gathering up the used hotel soaps and stuff and make trying to get them to people who can use them, recycle them, that's maybe not genius because it's obvious, but doing something like that at scale takes real effort. And you have accomplished this at real scale. Let's talk a little bit about how you have come to really build this up into something that's reaching millions of people now. Yeah. So uh, 13 years ago, which is when we launched, uh, I was running a global sales team for a technology company. And I did tech for 20 years, was in a hotel room four nights a week, wondered one night what happened to the bar of soap and bottle shampoo when I was done using it called the front desk. They said it was uh, thrown away, kind of chuckled when I asked them and, and they said it was all thrown away. So did some research at that time in 2009, figured out that if all hotels across the United States were throwing their soap away, we were throwing away a million bars of soap every day. And if all hotels across the globe were throwing their soap away, it was probably two or three million bars of soap a day. Um, so kind of did some you know, research on how, how to recycle soap, found some really easy ways to melt it down and, and reform it into new bars. But the real aha moment for us, which led to us kind of figuring out how to make this to scale, was when we found in 2009 that it, uh, there were 9,000 children under the age of five dying every single day to pneumonia and diarrheal disease. It was the number one and number two leading cause of death amongst children worldwide. And all these studies showed that if we just gave those children soap and taught them how and when to wash their hands, that we could cut those deaths in half. So I literally had a moment where I was, I can still remember it sitting on my bed. I've got all these studies laid out and I'm going, wow, there are millions of bars of soap being thrown away every day. There are uh, millions of children dying every year. They just need soap. I'm going to figure out how to collect the soap from hotels, recycle it, send it to children and families all over the world. So great idea. Um, really hard to start. I've had to corral a bunch of family members to get into a single car garage in downtown Orlando, Florida, where we sat around on upside down pickle buckets with potato peelers scraping the outside of bars of soap that we were collecting from hotels across Orlando. We had a meat grinder where we would grind it all up. We had cookers where we were cooking it into a paste. And we had these big wood soap molds where we put wax paper down and put the soap paste on and more wax paper. And we'd top it and clamp it and it would dry overnight. And the next day we would cut it up with wire cutters and put it on racks where we had fans blowing it dry. Uh, now I 
it, it was uh, I, I'm half German, half Puerto Rican. So it was my Puerto Rican family members that were the ones that were willing to come into this garage. with <laughs> yeah. me. So the power would cut in the garage every 30 minutes or so which was a really big issue because the salsa music would stop playing. And so the workforce would stop if there was no music <laughs> playing. So we had to figure out how many cookers and grinders and fans you could have on. Uh, but that was how we launched, right? We had this great idea. We were going to save millions of children's lives. But how do you do that when you're sitting around on upside down pickle buckets in a garage scraping soap? And one of the first things that we had to figure out was, number one, a sustainable business model. Uh, I came from the technology, uh, high-tech world. The company that I was at a few years later was purchased by Google. Uh, I was used to selling multi-million dollar uh, technology deals to, to Fortune 100s. How do you translate that into a mission organization where you're you know, essentially asking people to buy into your mission uh, as a nonprofit, which is how we launched and uh, I didn't know how to do that very well. I wasn't very good at that. And I learned that in that nonprofit world of just asking people for money for your mission, I wasn't very good at that. And so I had to figure out a business model. Uh, and so really came to the determination that there was a value that we were offering hotels. For the hotels, we are taking trash that would otherwise have gone into landfill. We're preventing it from going into landfill, diverting it. Well, that's a big check mark in the area of sustainability, which is very important to them. We are uh, uh, recycling soap and sending it to people in need around the world to save their lives. Well, now there's some corporate social responsibility and some impact that's happening there. We are sending it to the countries that most likely the housekeepers and the back of house staff at the hotels are from and in many times are sending money back to. So we're sending it to Haiti and to Mexico, Guatemala and Honduras. And so now you've got a program that back of house staff really like and it matters to them and it gives them some more purpose at their job. And so now you kind of have this internal, you know, kind of uh, human resource type beneficial program. So we kind of bundled all that up yeah. and we went to the hotel base and we said, we think that you should pay for this program. And so we laid out all of those uh, benefits and uh, it wasn't easy. There was, there was a lot of no's and we had to you know, convince them into the yeses. But we really started to go down the road of sustainability and of scale when we uh, put value around what we were doing and then really got those hotel partners to understand that value. We are really protecting the planet. We are really saving lives. Um, and how do you get them to see that? Well, we, we took them on mission trips with us. We had them come to Haiti with us. We had them come to Guatemala and Ecuador and in, in Kenya with us and let them see that impact work. Um, and back to my tech days, um, I was very, very uh, persistent about every bit of product that we collected, that we sent, that we did anything with. We tracked it. We weighed it. We documented it. We very early on got a, got a back-end uh, ERP system where we could collect all that data and keep all that data and assign it to every single hotel, every single hotel flag and brand. And so what we were able to turn that into was impact reporting. So now at the individual hotel level, at the corporate flag, you know, at the Hilton level, at the management company level, we're going to show you exactly what your hotels are doing, what your staff is doing, what your properties are doing, what great work you're doing. We're going to show it to you 
And we're going to give you all the assets you need to be able to tell others about it because we feel it's important for you to share it. And if you share it and others know that you're doing it, well, maybe more folks will stay at your hotels and maybe there'll be another benefit to working with us. And that's that maybe you'll get more guests. So we kind of did all that. I mean, that, that it sounds very quick and easy that that happened over much time and, you know, many nights crying in the fetal position like this isn't going to happen. But <laughs> just kept going uh, because at the end of the day, there was a life at the end of that bar of soap. And that's a, that's a great motivation to, to keep things going. Yeah. Yeah. It, it is just a great story. And I really appreciate you taking the time to walk us through how you pulled that off. Uh, I wonder, you talked about mission trips a little bit. Um, I wonder if you could take us on a virtual mission trip here and help us see what this looks like uh, in the field, as you're delivering soap, uh, who do you give it to? Uh, are you partnering with NGOs, <laughs> dropping it out of airplanes over poor bill? You know, what's going on? Tell us a little yeah. bit about how this works. Well, I, uh, I, I'll, I'll kind of give you the what what happens in, in general. I, I am reminded as you asked this about the first trip that I made, uh, which was to the northern part of Haiti, uh, to the Cape Haitian Haiti. And that actually happened about two months before the devastating Haiti earthquake of January 12, 2010. And, and in fact, when that happened, Clean the World had been documented previously by um, uh, Katie Couric and CBS Evening News during the H1N1 virus that took place at the end of 2009. And then we just so happened to be in Haiti right after the earthquake. And CBS Evening News called me and said, hey, are you here? I said, I am. I'm handing soap out in a tent city. They came down there. They they dubbed me the Pied Piper of soap, and and that actually was one of the moments that really took us off in terms of folks calling sure. us hotels and brands. So, so you know, when I first went to Haiti, and and this is very similar to the experiences that we have in in most of the um, uh, places that we go to. You have you have populations that live on less than two dollars a day, abject poverty. Um, they are not educated with respect to the value of soap, the why behind soap, when they should use soap. They have to make decisions daily on how to spend that $2, oftentimes with large families and, and certainly food and, and shelter and, and, and things like that will come ahead. In places like Haiti, not understanding what diarrheal disease is, when children start having those internal crampings and they start to experience it, uh, oftentimes, mothers will 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 go to um, a doctor. Uh, they may go to a to a, a, a voodoo doctor. They, they may go somewhere to believe that there is something else that's wrong with their child because they just don't understand what's going on. So I, I you know, we we went to I can recall the first uh, uh, we went to the Evangelical Church of Haiti uh, on a Wednesday afternoon, one o'clock. I walked in the back of this building. And I had no idea the amount of people. There were 10,000 people in this open roofed, no roof church. Uh, it was 98 degrees and as humid as you could believe. Everybody's dressed up to their Sunday best. On that very first trip, we only had 2,000 bars of soap for 10,000 people. Um, and one by one, we had mothers that came down that said that they lost a child They've lost another child and they talked about it. And the pastor taught them about 
uh, uh, the importance of soap and why and what it means and when you should wash your hands before you eat and before you uh, cook and, and, and after you go to the restroom and, and those types of things. And, and I, I remember handing the soap out and that experience and everybody just dug into those boxes like it was food and they hadn't eaten for, for weeks. And it was just so heartbreaking, but it was also so motivating for me that we were going to come back and we were going to send as much soap as we possibly could to that region and to that country. Uh, and, and, and since then have sent uh, upwards of four or five million bars of soap to, to the country and to that region. Um, we, uh, you know, now when we do mission trips as well, we, um, uh, we actually do a skit. Uh, we have a, a super habon, a super soap and uh, super agua. And uh, they, they fight uh, the Hermanes, the germs. And so we, we, we've made a, 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 a so first of all, there's usually it's in schools. So we do a Washington schools program. So we have a lot of children there. So they love the germs come out. The Hederman has come out and they, you know, mess with the kids and they're evil. And then super Habon and super Agua come out and they beat the Hederman uh, and defeat them. Uh, and then we go through, a, a, we've actually made a song, a wash your hands song to La Bamba. Uh, so usually in the Latin American countries, they love that. And it's something we teach them and we have them recite it and teach it back to us. Um, and then we hand out soap and we give them enough to go take home and take to their families and, and to really, you know, have that, that experience. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you quickly, we've, we now have a programmatic in school, uh, Washington schools program. And what we do is we measure before we come in cases of uh, diarrheal disease. We work with the local clinics, the schools and uh, school attendants. And then we start a program where we teach the children the how, the whens, the whys on, on soap. They have to demonstrate to us that they know that. They have to pass a test, essentially. And if they do that, we then give them soap and provide them soap for them and their households for an extended period of time. And then we measure the results. So we've done this exact program in uh, the Nairobi, Kenya, about 4,000 school children. Uh, we've done it in Tanzania, Uganda, Dominican Republic, um, the Bihar state uh, um, in uh, Southeast Asia. And across the board, we see 50% decreases in diarrheal disease. We see 50% increases in school attendance. So children are going to school more because they're not sick. And they're not having to go to the clinics and they're not at home with all the cramps. Um, in the Bihar state, we partnered with World Vision and they brought in some fresh water and, and toilets. And in that case, there was a 98% reduction in diarrheal disease. And wow. 80% of the families said, we're going to start buying soap because that's actually an area where there is affordable soap. They just didn't understand the why. They just didn't realize the why and the when and, and why it mattered. And so we just we made real change in the community and real change in the parents by coming in through the children and, and, and making it fun for them and teaching them an important lesson. Yeah, it, it, you raised a, 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 a subtly an issue that I think is important and worth talking about. Uh, there is sometimes a fear that our efforts to help uh, hurt. And one of the arguments sometimes is when we deliver free stuff that we hurt the local economy because somebody can't sell that stuff. Uh, and I saw a great study on, uh, it was a, you know, academic peer-reviewed study on what happens with uh, bed nets uh, for mosquitoes. Mm -hmm. And the study showed 
that unequivocally what happens when you give people free bed nets and they begin to not get mosquito bites, they say, hey, this is kind of a good idea. I think I'll buy more. (laughs) And so it actually increased demand uh, for purchased bed nets. It didn't wipe out the bed net sales guy. and so what you're seeing is that same thing is happening with soap in some places, right? That's exactly right. Our, our, uh, the, our wash in schools programming uh, always has at the end of it a sustainable soap uh, purchasing or soap making model so that there is no more soap that we are sending. Uh, but instead, they are either uh, making soap on their own. Uh, or are purchasing from local soap providers. And, and so when we're in the early days of teaching the behavior and uh, helping instill the lesson, we are also working to figure out who those local soap makers are uh, and, and, and how to make sure there's that consistent supply. Uh, and so that's what we do. So we will get into places where they don't have as much of a supply. We obviously do a lot in a disaster relief scenario. So when you have typhoons and hurricanes and uh, wildfires, earthquakes, uh, we come in there where you've got folks that are just uh, uh, displaced. Um, we also do a lot with the UNHCR. And so we, we assist Syrian refugees, um, southern border of the United States, Somalian refugees, again, folks who are being displaced from their homes or moving, migrating to other places. They are in need sometimes because they just don't have those supplies and those soap makers and those those. Yeah, that's a sustainable sort of economy around them is not necessarily moving with them. Uh, but the intention in any area that we go into that is a uh, sort of in a, a uh, uh, not in a kind of refugee, if you will, scenario is to ensure there is a long term plan there for them to be able to make their own soap. We in a very similar fashion, we did an awesome program with the International Rotary in Uganda, and we started to recycle and make. Um, feminine uh, hygiene pads, menstrual pads. And so what happens with young girls in school is when they, when they start their menstrual cycle, there is a stigma. They don't have the ability to, 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 to deal with it from a, from a hygiene perspective. And so they drop out of school. And so because of that, so we, we go in and we've, this program is so cool because we, we, number one, we started with the young girls and their moms and had them start making it, which the, the, the menstrual pads, which allowed them to, to, to stay in school using recycled materials, right? Then we actually started bringing in the young men so they could start making it. There was an economic scenario there where they were able to sell those pads and make money. The young boys came in and got jobs as well and then started to learn and understand. And the sort of the stigma, you know, the stigmatizing started to decrease as well. And so it just became this awesome. And so there's, you know, today I think there's like 30 pad makers and they're, you know, and they are providing for thousands and thousands in the, in the area community and they're expanding. And so that's an area where you go in and, you know, it's the old, you know, teach them to fish uh, scenario. And it just has these awesome benefits when you think about a young girl going through, you know, through that time of her life. Yeah. Amazing. Amazing. Well, listen, Sean, you have accomplished a, a really difficult thing. I mean, it's hard to do what you've done. Kudos for having done it. As you think about how you got here, what do you think of as your superpower? Number one, and I've, I've had the privilege of speaking to uh, many, many um, you know, lectures, colleges across the, across the globe, 
privilege of lecturing at, at Harvard and talking to young social entrepreneurs and those that are thinking about getting into you know, social entrepreneurship, creating a company of business that solves real, sustainable social impact uh, um, uh, issues and concerns. And so um, we are in a world and a time where things are starting to, to definitely trend more and more in that direction. UN SDGs, companies have to have sustainability measurements, global citizenship reports, corporate citizenship reports. Those things are driving, the consumers are driving that. So that's important, but we're still on the front end of that. So number one, a superpower that I share with others as well is, you know, whenever you are just passionate about your mission, when you're passionate about the thing that you're going to do, it was the first time that I went to Haiti and I went up in the brush and I saw this young boy and this awesome smile and, and handed him a, a bar of soap or a young girl and saw them walk over to the water and wash their hands and how happy they were. That image is just fried into my brain. So there are a lot of tough times. When I get to those tough times, I take a step back, take a deep breath, and I think about the mother at the end of this bar of soap that's not going to have to bury her child because she simply was able to give it a bath. And, and there's so many studies that show that children in developed countries, because they got baths, they had better development of their brains than those that didn't. And I mean, there's so much critical, you know, there's so much, you know, beyond that, that, uh, uh, that matters on things like that. But that's having your passion of your mission, getting visuals of faces and people in, in, in areas that you are protecting and saving. That is really a driver for me. Uh, I'm not going to stop. I'm going to be relentless in our pursuit of helping and impacting and changing the world and saving lives because of the people that are on the other end of it. Um, I, I, my, my favorite superhero growing up was, was Robin Hood. And it just was this, uh, you know, and, and, and look, I live in the United States. I've, I've, I'm, you know, very happy that we have the employees that we have and being able to, you know, pay them great wages and supporting their families. And so very proud and happy of that. But I'm also sad that there's others, so billions across the globe that just don't have that opportunity simply because of where they were born or, or, or what, uh, you know, what their circumstances were, or again, that mothers would bury children simply because they don't soak. And so for me, that's just an injustice. You know, that's just something that drives and lights the fire to try to do whatever I can to, to help, you know, that mother down the road. And, and so that's, it's those at the end of the mission that really drives the, the, the power inside of me. Yeah, I hear you. It's a, a, a beautiful answer. As you think about um, specific moments, perhaps, in your journey, because it hasn't been all success, right? I, I know uh, big success is built on a series of small failures. Uh, it's sometimes hard for me to internalize the implications of that, but I know it intellectually. And as, as you think back, I wonder if you can identify an, a story, a specific example of when you really felt yourself, you know, at that at that verge of quitting, giving up, and yet pulled that extra effort out of that passion, that sense of commitment to help the people that need soap, uh, and overcame the hurdle and and got to the next spot in your journey. Can you think of an example of that? Yeah, there there are many, and I will give you one that is really, really relevant. Um, it's when COVID hit. Uh, our business 
our revenue lines are derived primarily from hotels and then from the meetings, events, industry, where you have large sets of people congregating together. So when COVID hit and hotels started to shut down and all the meetings and events and conventions shut down, we're, we're done. And uh, it was, uh, you know, it, that's 10 years into this mission where you felt like you've, you've, you've hit all those small hurdles and here comes this global virus that everybody across the globe is saying to wash your hands to prevent it from being spread. And here I'm going, we, the, the money is done. We are done. And it and, and went through, you know, I can remember the two week period where we laid off a third of our staff and then two weeks later laid off another third of our staff. Um, I, the, the, the most sort of emotional nights, the most nights of why and how, and uh, we, we had incidentally created five years before that, the shirt that said, wash your hands, bro, and wash your hands, babe. So here we have the shirts that even say, wash your hands that we created. And, um, at that moment, when we got to that bottom, I, I looked at the remaining staff and I said, all we're going to do right now is just get out as much soap as we possibly can. If soap is what's going to help stem this, we're going to get every bar of soap that we have in every warehouse and in every Gaylord and every box. There's no more coming in. Got it. All we're going to do right now is just process, process, process and get it out. And, and, and as there were no more sort of business things to do, we all came in and we, we processed soap and we ran soap out and we just did everything we could to get as much soap out as we possibly could uh, and um, and hoped, prayed, um, you know, went through all the things that uh, that that we um, and I'll tell you in that moment, obviously, there was then some government support started to come and sort of some light at the end of the tunnel. Maybe this is going to going to help. But one of our awesome partners, uh, Sands, uh, Sands, uh, uh, they do a hygiene kit build with us every year. And uh, that hygiene kit builds where we'd mass a bunch of people come into the Venetian ballroom. We'd have several thousand people. We would build uh, 50, 60,000 hygiene kits for local homeless shelters, relief organizations. Uh, we do the same thing in Macau. We do the same thing at the Marina Bay Sands in Singapore. So we do this globally. It's this awesome event. And just before COVID hit, they funded all of that. And then COVID hit. And obviously, we're not going to do these. And so uh, our main champion there, he called me and he said, you know, Sean, we've got this, um, uh, this, uh, uh, these shelters here in Southern uh, Nevada and in, in Las Vegas, they need hygiene kits. Is there any way, I know you guys are totally shut down. Is there any way you can just figure out a way for your employees or people to just build hygiene kits and send them, send them out to us. And so in order to make the parameters of COVID, we made all these individual boxes and we put enough of the supplies in each box for somebody, a family, to build 100 hygiene kits, 200 hygiene kits, whatever it was. And remember, at that time, you've got all these stay-at-home orders. Kids are at home. Everybody's at home. So we made these boxes, and we put a call out on social media. Uh, come get a box. Come pick a box up. Take it home. Build all these kits. Bring it back to us. And then we're going to end up you know, shipping out. And the results were nuts. People just lined up to get these boxes. And all of a sudden, we made another product. We made the Soap Saves Lives boxes. And since that moment, we've now engaged with all of our major corporations who are buying these boxes to send to their employees' homes, 
who were able to build it at their home. So now instead of having, you know, they're not necessarily on site, although it's starting to get on site, but all those virtual meetings that happened in 2020 and 2021, we were doing on site soap safe live boxes with just awesome, you know, companies and Amazons and Bacardi's and UPS's of the world were, were doing these with their employees. And so even in that moment when it was just get the soap out, figure out how to help, whatever, we were able to turn a new product on. And then with the government assistance coming in, that Soap Save Live boxes carried us through 2020. And I'm so happy to say that today, every one of those employees uh, uh, that wanted to come back, we brought them back. We've now grown. The company is just, we're doing more soap, more showers, more hygiene kits than, than ever before. And uh, that was a moment that, you know, we didn't give it up. We just doubled down on what we had to do. And out of it came uh, even more awesome impact and, and, and more service and love to others. Yeah, fantastic. That is a perfect answer to the question. Now, as you think about uh, your work as a role model, and, and you I, you work at that, right? You, you, you travel around, you speak to audiences, students especially, coaching them on how to be social entrepreneurs. How would you teach someone to channel this energy, that, that purpose-drivenness, to think of the, that, that objective of saving a life? How do you train that? Yeah. Well, it, it's, I, I have this, uh, this really fun and one that's important to me sort of speech on. Uh, it's entitled Love, Serve, Impact. And it, 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 it goes into, number one, the charge that all of us have. It doesn't matter what religion you may or may not have it. Every one of them says, love your neighbor. There's some charge out there that we all know the right thing to do is love your neighbor. And I go into, you know, what, what, is, what does love really mean? You know, and you start looking at historical figures. Uh, you look at uh, Princess Diana. You look at Mother Teresa. Uh, you look at Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You look at these people whose love and action, whose service was standing up for social justice, feeding the hungry, holding the babies, uh, the AIDS babies when no one else wanted to, to, to touch them. You know, just living a life service, like that's in action. And, and with that service comes two awesome things. One, serving and loving somebody else and, and, and helping that person in need. But the other big thing that also comes out of that is what it does to you internally. And the thing that it turns on inside of you when you are helping and loving and serving others. And it's proven scientifically, it's proven that the, the act of actually getting somebody for some, uh, getting something for somebody else does more internally for you than actually buying something for yourself when you are, when you are helping and loving and giving. And so to answer your question, I, I, I say, number one, we're all charged with loving somebody with helping somebody go figure out what th that can be anything. It doesn't have to be. I was a guy in a garage 13 years ago, scraping soap, having a dream, but not really knowing what was going to, going to happen. 13 years later, it became this, that, that person that goes to the food pantry that helps sort food on a Saturday for a couple of hours, that gets it in the right area. So that can be distributed by that food pantry to all those agencies that need it. And those people that need it, that's making a big difference. That person that's out there that's maybe a, a, a sitting with, a, with an elderly person for a, an hour a day to you know, give them company and allow them to have that social interaction, 
that's serving a major purpose. It doesn't have to be big. It could be as small and it'll go where it goes because ultimately when you do it, it's going to circle right back to you. And so it's just going to end up driving more inside of you to go wherever you want to go. So find out what your service is in the act of loving somebody. Find anything and just start doing it. Get into it. Apply your time, your, your, your treasure of time right into that and see where that goes. And, uh, and I, I just believe that the stars will align that the, uh, you know, that those forces outside, because I believe there's, there, there are good forces. I think there's good forces out there and they, they, they help, they help, they love, they serve. You start to do that. I think those forces out there just start help showing you the way. So I'm giving you the clarity on where and what you need to do. But you just, you always got to start. Don't, you can't just think all big. You can't go, oh, I'm going to go make this next big. No, no, no. You'll get to big, but just start off with something small. Start off with whatever that is and then start, start driving. And you're going to start finding other people that are interested in what you do. And you're going to get some ideas about how they end up doing something that can help that may interest you. And you're going to start building a community there. And next thing you know, your little thing could turn into something big or bigger or wherever it is intended to go based on, you know, the way the forces of good want to want to take it. Uh, so yeah. that's why uh, uh, not probably not very meaty, but no, that's perfect. Well, you know, you, you get big. Yeah, that, that's perfect. That is we, we can build on that. Right. That's where we start and build from there. Uh, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time to have this conversation with us. We're so grateful. Uh, before you go, take a minute and tell people how they can learn more about Clean the World and how they can connect with you personally on social media or otherwise. Absolutely. So uh, cleantheworld.org, uh, that is our website. You can check us out there. All of the opportunities there to engage with us uh, are at cleantheworld.org. We're also on uh, you know Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all the, the, the social uh, uh, platforms. And uh, I'm on LinkedIn. I believe my contact information is on the website, but certainly on LinkedIn, you can get a hold of me as well. And uh, we are global. We're engaging folks all across the globe, whether that's from an impact perspective or from a corporate and consumer perspective uh, starting. So we would love to hear from you and uh, uh, very, very much appreciate you having us on today, Devin. Thank oh. you so much. Thank you, Sean. And we wish you every success in continuing your great work at saving lives with soap. That's just uh, such a, an incredible work. So good luck to you. Thank you very much. All righty. Let's do some good. Thank you for tuning in to the Superpowers for Good show. Twice each week, we host changemakers who share their impact, insights, and superpowers don't miss another episode. Subscribe today at superpowersforgood.com. That's superpowers, number four, good.com. Be super empowered. Get your copy of the book, Superpowers for Good, as an ebook, audiobook, paperback, or hardcover edition via your favorite online retailer. Interested in having me speak to your company, organization, or association? Visit devonthorpe.com. Then let's talk. Now, keep using your superpowers for good. Together, we can reverse climate change, improve global health, and eradicate poverty.